Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach Personal Finance. This is George Grombacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, a strong and powerful Sean Cooper. Sean, are you ready to do this? Yes, I am, George. Excited to be here. Excellent. Let's do this. Sean is a best-selling author of Burn Your Mortgage, a fee-only money coach, a personal finance journalist, as well as a sought-after speaker. I'm excited to have you on. Sean, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. Well, I've been writing about personal finance for over a decade, and I had written over 500 articles. So how I ended up where I am today is that I wrote an article and a person from the media reached out to me and asked me for some frugal savings tips. And I just mentioned that I set myself the goal of paying off my mortgage as quickly as possible. And I was going to be paying it off in three years time. So she seemed quite fascinated. And we ended up talking about that for half an hour. And before I know it, she calls me back two days later and says that news crew wants to film me burning my mortgage paper. So that's kind of how it all exploded and how the book came about. I didn't plan for any of that to happen, but just through pure luck and chance, I had that phone call that literally changed my life. Nice. I don't know if after writing 500 articles, you can call that luck and chance, Sean, but (laughs) I think that that's awesome. All right. So, well, tell us a little bit about how you managed to pay off a mortgage in three years. Yes. I bought my house for in August 2012 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada for $425,000. Mind you, the house prices were more affordable back then, but I kind of had the mindset that... I didn't want my mortgage to be a life sentence because just seeing my parents, both of them having mortgages and making sacrifices along the way and uh, struggling during certain times, such as the dot-com bubble and the financial crisis when uh, my mother was out of work for several months and and she was a single mother supporting my sister would be at that time. So being as a single person myself and, and paying for the whole house myself, I just didn't want to find myself in that predicament. So when I bought my house, I had the mindset of doing whatever it took to get it paid off as quickly as possible so that I didn't have to make those mortgage payments and worry about them if something happened. I lost my job later on. So uh, first thing that I did was I made the decision to live in the basement of my house and rent up the upstairs. I I did the math and I could live live upstairs which most people would do and rent the basement and only make $800 but if I did the reverse and lived in the basement and rented the upstairs I could make double the amount 1600 so it was kind of a no-brainer because I didn't need all that space myself but if I hadn't have done some reading online and heard uh, from a few other people who had done this I probably wouldn't have done this I didn't have this idea initially but then when I heard about a few people doing it I thought might as well try it out myself. And yeah, I mean, I was definitely lived very frugally uh, coming up with my down payment because I managed to come up with a down payment of $170,000, which is uh, quite sizable for first time home bar. So I just continued to live that way, didn't take any extravagant vacations, uh, watched my food budget. It helped that I was a vegetarian, but didn't spend uh, 
extravagantly on food, but still managed to eat healthy. And I didn't have a vehicle either. So uh, that combined with the fact that I worked up to 100 hours a week uh, by working full time as well as working as a personal finance journalist and money coach, uh, that all those things combined helped me pay off my 30 year mortgage in only three years. Well, I think that that's awesome. And I guess first and foremost, congratulations. Thank um, you. There's a lot of uh, what I think people would consider sacrifice to be in there. Sacrificing your living in the basement versus the upstairs of the house. Sacrificing on not having a car. Sacrificing on the kind of food choices you make. Did Do you look at it that way? Or is it more, I want this kind of a lifestyle, so it's more of an investment? Well, it was, it was, more, it was more my mindset was... Um, short-term pain for a long-term gain. I didn't want to live like this forever, but if I was able to buckle down for those few years, I could have uh, like the next few years, uh, the rest of my life essentially would be a lot easier. So now that I paid off my mortgage, I guess I'm used to kind of living frugally like that. So I haven't gone out and buy, bought a vehicle yet. I'm going to buy one eventually, certainly when it makes sense, but I still live on my own and I don't really need a vehicle at this point in time, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, this did work for myself because I was a single person, but as I mentioned in my book, like for families, it might not be practical to not have a vehicle, but instead of having two vehicles, maybe you could just have one and you know, you could do things to help save money on your vehicle, whether it's shop around for auto insurance, uh, as well as be smart with the purchase of your vehicle and perhaps buy a secondhand vehicle from um, a reputable uh, seller as opposed to buying a brand new lot uh, car and driving it off the lot and having it lose half its value. So certainly, the, my, um, as I mentioned, those are some of the things that I did, but don't expect everyone to do them. But there's certainly, I think, ways that people can find to save money in their everyday life uh, if it doesn't make sense to live in the basement like me. Sure. No, I appreciate that very much. So, all right. So you bought the home in 2012. And um, you seem like a young guy, and you were able to save up one hundred and seventy thousand dollars, and that's a that's a lot of money. I don't care who you are; there's not that many people who work their entire lives that have saved that much. How were you able to do that? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I guess the thing that really helped me is that I knew what program I wanted to go to in college and university. And I, when I applied at college and university, I made sure that I in, enrolled in something that I would ha have a good chance of finding a job at the end of the day. So I ended up going into business and it really gave me a well-rounded education and I figured out that I really enjoyed finance. So as, as soon as I graduated, I, I did graduate in the middle of the uh, financial crisis, but I did get a job in the financial industry eventually. It really helped me save a ton of money and in terms of coming up with that sizable down payment doing all the extra jobs and working up to 100 hours a week certainly helped and i also lived at home during that time but i did pay 600 dollars a month in rent so i was definitely helping out and i was happy to do that since my mother was living on her own but just by living frugally and working up to 100 hours a week and doing all the extra jobs for um, about three years or so and 
even graduating debt free with money in the bank, all those things combined helped me come up with the uh, down payment. And I've been working since like 18, 19 years old and, and saving money since then. So, um, and I also worked during the summertime when I was in university and college. I d- didn't go traveling. Perhaps that would have been better for life experience, but I decided to work during the summertime and I know education is more expensive in the US than Canada, but I was essentially able to pay for my whole year's tuition by working during the summertime and any extra work I did during the rest of the year, I could save it towards the down payment of my eventual house. So that's kind of how I did it in a nutshell. I think that that's awesome. So again, congratulations on that as well. When when you look out and you see, and I, I unfortunately, I, I don't know what the situation is like in Canada necessarily, but when you look at the United States and you see that people aren't really doing a great job saving and so many Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, I read about how like 40% of Americans wouldn't come up, be able to come up with $500 in cash in case of an emergency or something like that. What, what do you think about that? Just, just kind of in general. Well, I definitely think stories like that are a bit headline grabbers, but I, I mean, I, from speaking with people in my day to day life, I, I've ran into a lot of Canadians who are in the same situation. I mean, I think in Canada, it's it's similar situation. 50% or so people live paycheck to paycheck. And the worrisome thing about that is with interest rates heading higher, then it's going to make it that much more difficult to service your debt. So, I mean, it would be nice if everyone could own a house, but for some people, it just doesn't make sense. Like if you have high interest debt, credit card debt, or even worse, payday loans, then really focus on getting that under controlled and paid off. And also ask yourself why you have that debt in the first place, because a lot of people like to say, oh, people are in those that situation are irresponsible with their spending. But I think for a lot of them, it's just life circumstances, whether their car breaks down or their child gets sick and they have to take on this debt to pay for this stuff. I mean, I think the lack of the of having an emergency fund puts a lot of people in this unfortunate debt situation. So I think first and foremost, of course, if you have high interest debt, I would focus on getting that paid down. But I think it's crucial to have emergency savings because, yeah, a lot of people think, oh, n- nothing bad's going to happen to me. But then when something does happen they're just not financially prepared and that's kind of how they end up in that unfortunate situation yeah yeah i appreciate that well i know that uh that a lot of smart folks talk about how the first thing you should do is get a thousand dollars saved up in emergency fund do you have a similar philosophy on that yeah i mean uh, a lot of articles that i've read they say three six months living expenses for an emergency fund but with a lot of these things like I've heard statistics that say, oh, you need at least a million dollars or two million dollars saved to live a comfortable retirement. I mean, I think having big numbers like that intimidates a lot of people. So I like to tell my money coaching clients that it's just good to get into the regular habit of saving. So don't get so fixated on the number that you need in terms of the emergency savings at the end of the day, whether it's five or ten thousand dollars or whatever the figure is just get into that habit of putting that money aside and figure out what you can afford to put aside right now whether it's 
$25 a week or $25 a month. As long as you get into that habit and you prioritize saving and treat it like a line in your budget as opposed to making savings your last priority and just putting aside whatever money at the end of the month that you have, I, I think that's the more important part. So yeah, certainly if, if you don't have emergency savings, um, it, would be, it would be better to have it. But the most important thing is to put it plan into action and have that money automatically going to a savings account just for emergency savings. And yeah, once you get into the habit, that money will grow. And before you know it, in a few months or a year or two's time, you'll have a decent emergency fund. So I think that's really the crucial thing that people need to get started on. Yeah, helping people get in that habit of saving, of paying themselves first. I think once you see the amount of if you're in a position where you have no money saved up at all and then you have a little bit and you have a little bit more and then oh my gosh I've got a thousand dollars and I've got five thousand dollars that does a ton for people's confidence and I think that can be really empowering so I think that that's great advice I totally agree part of uh, um, so with with the book or I think it was again um, maybe maybe one of your headlines on LinkedIn talked about um buying your dream home, paying it off in 10 years without sacrificing the things you love. So it sounds like you almost took a little bit of a vow of poverty, kind of like a monk to, uh, to, to pay off your mortgage in three years. But how do you, how do you coach people to not necessarily cut out everything so extremely the way that you did? Yeah. I mean, my story is definitely an extreme case. And I mean, people can certainly follow in my footsteps if, if they want to, but it was just kind of a statement that I was trying to make because I would read all the headlines that say it's impossible for millennials to own houses. And I just find that the headlines in the newspaper and online are all negative. So I just wanted to get a positive story out there about real estate and still show people that it's realistic. So going back to your point about paying off your house in 10 years, I mean, that's more of a realistic number that I was setting. And of course, it depends on everyone's financial situation. I mean, one couple might be uh, not have any children and another couple has five or six children. So it all depends what your situation is. But uh, I think it's important to set yourself financial goals and priorities. And certainly for some people, it might make sense to pay down their mortgage sooner. But for other people, they have high interest debt. Maybe they should tackle that first. But um, yeah, I mean, if, if you're looking to pay down your mortgage sooner and you just want to get rid of it, similar to me, I mean, I think a good approach is to take a look at where all your money is going on a monthly basis and just kind of do a spending audit. So with everyone using credit cards these days as opposed to cash, uh, I mean, one disadvantage is that you can spend a ton of money and not realize it. But one advantage of that is that you can easily track your spending. So basically do a spending audit, which means look at your credit card statement, see where all your money is going and look for, I, I would go through that list there and just kind of, uh, like highlight things that you could kind of cut out of your spending which wouldn't really cause you as much pain. I mean, some people, they say, oh, cut out the daily cup of coffee, but if you really love it so much then, and it's going to make you miserable, then perhaps that's not the best thing for you. But if you're spending a ton of money on Uber or uh, you're spending a ton of money on parking fees, I mean, 
perhaps take transit more often and you could save money there and still enjoy your coffee or maybe if you're going for coffee twice a day, cut it back to once a day. So it's basically seeing where all your money is, is going and trying to cut out the least painful spending and not living like a monk or living uh, being miserably. But I would definitely say a lot of these subscriptions I find like Netflix and Spotify, they all seem to be $10 a month. So definitely look at those because $10 a month doesn't seem like a lot, but it definitely adds up. And if you have five or six or 10 of those $10 a month plans, it can add up to a ton of money at the end of the year. So I would definitely say keep an eye on stuff like that and just make sure you're identity hasn't been compromised uh, because yeah it could just be easy to pay the total credit card bill at the end of the month and not look at the individual items but I definitely think it's very important this day and age with identity theft being what it is yeah I think that that's awesome advice right there and I know just for me personally years ago I was not paying real close attention to the amount of recurring monthly bills that I had coming out of my coming out of my checking account and I think that people would be shocked if they actually put pen to paper and added all those up and you start cutting out a couple of hundred dollars a month and you have a thousand dollars that you could be setting aside for something probably that you probably more valuable. So I appreciate that advice very much. Well, Sean, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? Well, I'd say the most important thing is if you're going to out to purchase a property, first and foremost, I would say make sure that you get pre-approved for a mortgage because if you're going out there and just looking at properties and you have no idea how much you're approved for, you could end up spending more than the amount that you would be approved for at the bank and that can really be a disastrous situation. So I would I'd certainly say get pre-approved for a mortgage because um, yeah, it's not a pretty situation if you don't. It can certainly cause a lot of financial stress and stress with your relationship as well. I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. And Sean, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Well, thanks very much for having me, George. Uh, people can visit my website at seancooperwriter.com. And I've also written the book, Burn Your Mortgage. And you can find that on my website as well as on amazon.com. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Sean your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to Sean Cooper Writer, and that's S-E-A-N, and C-O-O-P-E-R, writer.com. Get, get a copy of his book on that website or also Amazon as well. Thank you again, Sean. My pleasure. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!